Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Uh, welcome to Nayral's The Morning After. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So this is episode 76 mm-hmm. for our podcast listeners. We missed our nice. 75th anniversary. Yeah. Well, I missed your 75th <laughs> anniversary. Episode 75, yeah. Uh, episode 76, this is exciting because this is our kind of first, really it's our second, episode on the radio. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are excited to be a part of the WGRN radio family. Uh, if you're in Columbus, yeah, it's totally awesome. (laughs) Uh, if you're in Columbus, you can listen at 94.1 FM on the actual radio. (laughs) Um, we're thrilled. Uh, so the show now airs, uh, 9am on Fridays as part of the women's power hour. For radio listeners, this is your first time hearing us. Uh, welcome. Um, you can find back episodes, all 75 previous episodes, um, at, uh, at our blog, NARALProChoiceOhio.com. Uh, it's on Apple Podcasts. It's on Podbean. Um, or you can find the blog uh, on WordPress and watch videos of all of our episodes on our YouTube channel. Um, so, uh, I thought since this is kind of a restart on this entire show, we'd introduce ourselves. Uh, Jamie, you want to go first? Sure. So I've been with Narol since 2002 in some way, shape or form. I actually started on the board and then joined the staff. So I started actually as a, as a field person doing all the field work, all the organizing, all the pride festivals, all the, (laughs) all the stuff that Vashita and Annie are getting to do this (laughs) month. Yay. Um, and then moved into a policy role doing all the legislative lobbying and those kinds of things. And then when we went from a staff of two to a staff of six, two years ago, I moved into the deputy director role um, as we as we were joined by our other staff members, including Gabe and Navashita, much more recent addition to the staff. So I do all of our legislative lobbying and those kinds of things and a lot of our political work. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So I guess that brings it to me. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm Vashida, and I actually am new. I started last month. Uh, I know it's like been like a month and a half now. Um, so I'm time the, flies when you're having fun, right? <laughs> I am the uh, field and political director, and so I'm excited to work on the field program here at NARAL as well as um, doing the political aspect of the work uh, once the midterm elections come around, which is mm-hmm. going to be very soon. Yeah. So that's going to be exciting. Right. Uh, so I'm Gabriel. I'm our communications manager. Um, I joined NARAL two and a half years ago, uh, following, uh, six years of Planned Parenthood here in Ohio. Um, I kind of had no idea how on earth I stumbled into that gig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after doing union work and legislative work, uh, it was just sort of, a, an unexpected next step. Um, so, uh. So here I am. Um, listeners will uh, eventually meet the other members of the NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio team, uh, our executive director, Kelly Copeland, uh, up in Cleveland. Uh, mm-hmm. And she's got great staff of Pam and Annie, uh, Ashley and Rachel, uh, and, and all you know sorts of others who come <laughs> in and out of our professional mm-hmm. world. Um, you know, I, I think the organization, uh, it's it's... Ohio's longest pro-choice, oldest pro-choice advocacy organization. I don't know if that's true. I'm claiming it. Um, 
Well, we're definitely the only advocacy only organization. So, you know, a lot of people ask the question, so how are you different from Planned Parenthood? We, we have a unique role in the fact that we are just an advocacy organization. So Planned Parenthood is also a healthcare service organization. So sometimes can't take the hard stances and that's one of the things that we can because we don't have to protect federal grant dollars coming in and helping us provide healthcare services. So we work in tandem with Planned Parenthood and now and CJW and Urge and New Voices and all kinds of different organizations across the state to really create like the, the best movement towards access to reproductive health rights and justice in our state. Right. And to accomplish that, um, uh, about two years ago or so, we created this show mm-hmm. uh, to have a weekly conversation about sexual politics in Ohio, what's happening across the country, uh, what's happening in our state house, in our uh, you know, city council offices, mm-hmm. um, and to really bring uh, information about the work that we do and ways for people to get involved through different forms of medium. Different mm-hmm. mediums, right. Um, okay, so to that end, uh, we'll get moving and we'll start talking about what's up uh, with national <clears throat> legislation. So what happened today? Nothing really. It's yeah. boring. Nothing's really going yeah, on. Exactly. Just taking away health care from 23 million Americans, you know, just another day Every, in Washington, exactly. D.C., actually. <laughs> Everyday practice, right? right. Um, yeah. Since Trump has gotten to office, mm-hmm. I should say. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah, so last year, last <laughs> night, it was really funny. Um, we, so last night, the longest day of the year was the day that Planned Parenthood picked to do their pink out the night events with <laughs> light up signs. So, you know, we had to drag out. They, um, Sarah did a fabulous organizing meeting beforehand. We spoke about state legislature stuff and federal stuff and with the um, Planned Parenthood volunteers and everything. And waited and waited and waited and waited for the sun to go down. <laughs> It's going to go down. It's really going to go out sometime. Oh, um, but, you know, we finally got out outside of the um, Franklinton Healthcare Center with the signs and, and had a great, um, Sarah led a really great rally and had a really yeah. good kind of visibility moment, making sure that people understood what was going on and, and how they can be involved. Right. So, because as part of this, you know, it's talking about repealing Obamacare and the ACA, but as a cookie to the legislators who may not want to actually vote for something like this, they added in defunding Planned Parenthood into the bill. So yeah. it's repealing the ACA, which is bad enough, but then also saying that Planned Parenthood wouldn't be able to get Medicaid reimbursements any longer. So, And as Stella points out every single time I hear from her and hear her talking about these things, it's not like you know the federal government writes one of those big, huge you know sweepstakes checks out to Planned Parenthood every year. Right. It's a woman comes in and has a pap smear at Planned Parenthood and Medicaid reimburses Planned Parenthood for those services just like your insurance reimburses right. for services provided. So, right. Yeah, pretty much every... Uh, you know, form of medical care that almost everybody gets. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have never met a single person who just walks into the doctor's office and pays cash for their care. Um, if, you know, if you have private insurance, uh, you know, that you either pay for independently or you get through your mm-hmm. employer, uh, or if you're on Medicaid uh, or Medicare, it's all a reimbursement mm-hmm. system. The doctor yeah. says, oh, we did, you know, 10 of these sort of checkups mm-hmm. and, you know, they submit it to the insurance company and whatever the, the you know, pre-negotiated rate of reimbursement is, is what the doctor's office gets back. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, they charge you the balance. Mm-hmm. That's how it all works. Yeah. So now Republicans in the Senate are agreeing with Republicans mm-hmm. in the House, uh, you know, all in Congress 
that this whole system of reimbursement, which is how our entire healthcare system mm-hmm. has functioned for far. our entire yeah. lives, <laughs> yeah. shouldn't work that way for just one set of uh-huh. providers. Yeah. Well, and it's like the actually, there's so much I can't say it's the most ridiculous thing, but one of the most ridiculous things about it's it, pretty darn close, is the fact that you know I, I kind of remember all of those Tea Party protests that happened when they were passing the Affordable Care Act and how every single one of the Republicans was saying how Obama was going to tell you what doctor you couldn't go to and what doctor you had to go to. And that was bad. Right. It's exactly what they're doing. They're saying if you use Planned Parenthood as your doctor, you can't go there anymore. Sorry about your luck. You have to find somebody else. Right. So, you know, it's only when their doctor is getting attacked or they don't have a political, you know, game to play with, a certain type of provider that they actually care about you actually being able to see your doctor. Right. In reality, they don't give a crap about, about which doctor you see and, and those kinds of things. And that's obvious by the rest of the bill right. and the fact that they're going to reduce subsidies for thousands of people across the state and the country and, you know, just completely basically destroy access to health insurance and healthcare in our country. Right. Yeah, uh, since this is national legislation, uh, our national, the national branch of our organization, Narrow Pro-Choice America, they put out a statement uh, after the bill was released. Um, They said the Republican proposal is a direct attack on the health and well-being of hundreds of millions of Americans and a savage attack on women's health care in particular. It is just as cruel as the proposal proposal approved by the House. By defunding women's health centers, denying abortion coverage to Americans who get their insurance through the exchanges or who receive tax subsidies, and slashing health care for the families who need it most, it's clear that the Trump administration and the GOP's concerns with being, quote, pro-life only reaches as far as the nearest tax cut for millionaires. Yeah. Yeah. What can you say to that? I mean, I, I, I look at what's going on on the state level as well as the federal level, and I just continue to shake my head that it's mostly, um, as someone on my Twitter feed put it yesterday, straight white men, right. middle-aged white men who mm-hmm. don't taking away these services. It's like, why? I just I don't understand that at all. So, um, you know, it just it has my mind boggled. But, you know, fortunately, this is what we're trying to fight against. Mm-hmm. This is what we were speaking out against last night at the Planned Parenthood protest. Um, you know, I actually had people coming up to me asking what was going on and, you know, and, and asking questions and being concerned. And, you know, I'm glad that they were able to be involved because some of those people who don't know are the people that, people that we need to vote and, you know, to be more knowledgeable about the subject. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think, too, it's the depth of, of all of this. Well, and also the politics and visual. So, you know, the House passed a bill that's from what I can tell, nearly identical to what the Senate's now proposing. There might be slightly less, we're going to be mean to people who've already had cancer and those kinds of things with the pre-existing condition stuff, but that's still to be completely worked out. And also, he doesn't have the votes yet. He doesn't have 50 votes, so there's going to be wheeling and dealing on this bill. So I actually heard there was going to be three uh, GOP senators who weren't going to vote for it, and they need at least... Yeah, they need at least two. They can only they can only lose two. Yeah, so that's so, yeah. maybe an issue. So, yeah, so, I mean, they don't know that they're going to get the 50, and there's going to be some wheeling and dealing. And as I read a, in a Slate article yesterday, I was like, it can only get better when they start wheeling and dealing, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, we don't know what the final one's going to look like. Right. But, you know, the House passed it. Trump celebrated it in the Rose Garden. 
looked like a frat party for what I could tell. And it looked like a death penalty. Yeah, that's, it did. That sounds yeah, about right. <laughs> it really was. And then and then like what, a month later he sits down with congressional leaders and calls the House of Bell mean. Like, so you celebrate meanness? Great. That's fabulous. Right. And this version is just as mean. So I just yeah. It's it's horrific. Yeah. You know, I mean to and, say the least. Um, and many people have pointed out that these are the exact sort of attacks on health care that Trump, believe it or not, actually campaigned against. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Joe Scarborough, of all people, uh, <laughs> he tweeted out that the GOP bills raise deductibles, cut coverage, and slashes Medicaid. Trump promised repeatedly to voters he would do none of the above. Mm-hmm. And here they are just, you know, shoving through these, uh, you know, and I am shocked that Trump would <laughs> not stand by his right. did we? Did they really believe he was going to be a man of his word? I well, and even beyond being a man of your word, he just had no freaking idea what he was talking about. None. <laughs> he thought, you know, like, because, and that's why when you have any kind of clue about how any of this works, when you listen to Trump on the campaign trail, you knew that he was full of crap because the yeah. fact was that you couldn't keep deductibles low and you couldn't keep premiums low and you couldn't keep funding Medicaid if you wanted to do all the other things that the Republicans wanted to do with healthcare reform. Actually, healthcare dismantling is more likely. <laughs> So, you know, it, there was just no way for him to actually keep that promise. And he, if he had any idea or had any kind of advisor around him that had any kind of idea, no. they would have told him not to say that crap because there's no way you can promise that. Right, right. But yeah. we all know Trump does what he wants to do, and mm-hmm. the people around him pretty much serve him, and he let him do what he wants to do. So there's no type of accountability anywhere mm-hmm. um, around this man. So, Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, slashing Medicaid would have absolutely horrific consequences. Uh, Cecile Richards tweeted a graphic that was actually produced by the New York Times today. Uh, Medicaid covers 49% of all births, mm-hmm. 64% of all nursing home residents, uh, 40% of all uh, poor adults, and 76% of all poor children. Sounds really pro-life to cut that program, doesn't it? Right. Um, and, and 60% of all children with disabilities, um, the disabled community uh, really got a, an enormous amount of attention mm-hmm. uh, today as we're recording this. Um, they've been occupying uh, the halls of Congress, literally mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sitting in, uh, staging protests, and, and being hauled out by U.S. Capitol Police today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't imagine being... A uh, you know not that there are many moderate Republicans, mm-hmm. but I mean you know you you cited that there's three uh, three Republicans who have said that they can't vote for this. You know there's got to be more out there that are Absolutely. looking at police hauling out people in wheelchairs mm-hmm. and thinking to themselves, "Oh my God, we're the baddies!" Yeah, <laughs> you know? like what are we doing? Like let's rethink now. Yeah. Right. So absolutely horrific, Bill. Um, we'll, uh, we'll continue to, uh, see how this unfolds, uh, continue to, uh, help groups that are, uh, attempting mm-hmm. to, um, you know, put this in front of, uh, Rob Portman specifically. Um, he unfortunately has not yet realized that this bill is terrible. Yeah. Um, Sherrod Brown held a, uh, a, a town hall on Facebook live today where he, you know, explained exactly yeah. in detail mm-hmm. what his problems were with this legislation, 
Um, so we're, uh, as usual, grateful for Sherrod Brown. Absolutely. Uh, Wait, what? Some senators are actually talking to their constituents? <laughs> exactly. What, what's that about? <laughs> Answering like, questions. A few, yes. yeah. Yeah. People so. who have a spine and actually know how to do their jobs well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's Rob Portman. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll, we'll be keeping up the pressure. Um, so uh, join us, uh, you know, mm-hmm. especially on social media. Um, yeah, and keep an eye on it. I know there's a bunch of demonstrations and various things that are being planned for the next couple of days, next week or so, because, I mean, the timeline, um, in case you haven't heard it, is that they really want this done by the time they leave for the July 4th recess, which is next week. So next week is the last week that they're here before they go away for the 4th of July. So we will be keeping an eye on that along with all the other stuff happening exactly. in the state house because there's not enough going on with just the federal stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. The oh, state's boy. joining in yes, on exactly. all of the attacks on health care as well. Yes, <laughs> so even if, even if the federal government can't figure out how to do it, the state's going to do it for them. So we don't really have to worry about that. Uh, it was said yesterday, um, if we're moving on now, yeah. <laughs> it was said yesterday um, when I was listening to um, session and, you know, listening in on session that, oh, we don't know what's, what's going to happen in Washington. That's why we want to implement this freeze. Mm-hmm. We're not saying forever, just for maybe a, a year. Yeah. When you stop a program, you're not going to start it up again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I should just like say who that came from, but like, I just, yeah. I just, Yeah. Well, no, and it's just, they're all ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, and the whole process is ridiculous. So back, I mean, this all started in December where Kasich came before the legislature and said, watch out, we're headed towards a recession. We're going to have to cut all this stuff out of the budget. We're going to have to do all these, you know, really, really severe things because we can't let the Ohio economy fail. And it was funny because it, it sounded like a candidate. It didn't yeah. sound like the guy who's been in charge yeah. of the Ohio economy since 2011. Like, right. Hello. He was, he was saying, somehow this has happened. And yeah, like, I don't know how this happened. been governor for six years. Maybe because you cut taxes all over the place that you shouldn't have Do you cut. think they're just trying to induce some type of panic to mm-hmm. be able to do what they want oh, to do? Oh, it's 100%. Like, yeah, like I'm just going to make everyone in the economy who's not really aware of what's going on you know, think that something else is going yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, so two years ago, I think it was, I think it was the last budget cycle, they passed what the Democrats are calling an LLC loophole. So they made this business tax exemption, and they said, if you have an LLC, you you are entitled to all of these ridiculous tax cuts. Not surprisingly, there's a lot of people that work in our state, like our state legislators, yes. who have LLCs. Right. Hmm. <laughs> Exactly. So, so yeah, so they could have just eliminated that LLC loophole out right. of this business tax cut that they passed two years ago and had all the money they needed to fully fund schools, to fully fund local governments, to fully fund Medicaid, to fully fund health insurance. But they refused to do that. Yeah. They refused to create the money they need for these programs. So instead, they just slashed them all over the place. Right. So local governments are losing an insane amount of money. And instead of giving it to local governments to do what they need to do, they're moving it into opiate addiction services and some other stuff, which means that watch for your next local election because there'll probably be an income tax increase in your local government. Yeah, I mean, since because they don't they need want money. to take the money for the opiate crisis from the rainy day fund um, yeah. and from local governments, then yeah, that is going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's going to show. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're, people are going to see things. It's going to be a hit. Um, 
I hate yeah. it on the economy. Mm-hmm. You know, well, not the economy, the low income, mm-hmm. poor. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's the whole economy. I think um, your former boss, Shirley Tavares, said it the best yesterday is that you can't be unhealthy and be able yeah. to show up for school every day ready to True. learn and show up for work every day ready to work. You right. have to be healthy in order exactly. for that to happen. And slashing Medicaid by imposing a freeze on the Medicaid expansion as of July 1st, 2018. <laughs> Exempting, asking the federal government for an exemption from the individual and employer mandates from the ACA so that your employer never has to, and doesn't have to give you insurance any longer as a part of your, your benefit package. And then imposing work requirements and premiums on people on Medicaid will just severely impact access to health care in Ohio. And all of those things are in the state budget that the Senate passed yesterday and is now in conference committee working out all the differences between the house and the senate right it's like driving you to death like how Mm -hmm. am i supposed to get up and go to work every day or how somebody who's on medicaid or medicare and who who may be disabled or Mm -hmm. i don't know you know whatever their situation is how do you expect people to live and continue to thrive in society and contribute to society Mm -hmm. if we're not healthy if we don't have those uh those health benefits mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. So yeah, and, this, and and these are all the expansion population. So these are people who have are have incomes between one hundred and one hundred and thirty eight percent of poverty. So these aren't people who are just sitting around doing nothing all day. They're working. Yeah, and if they're not working, it's because they do have health problems. Absolutely. And one of the ridiculous things about the work requirements is that it exempts people who are currently in drug treatment, but it doesn't exempt people who are on waiting lists for drug treatment. That doesn't so, make any sense. Exactly. None of so, this makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you've got these people who are trying to get into drug treatment, but yeah. our drug treatment facilities are all way overbooked, and there are waiting lists all over the place for them. Which is why they were trying to create more beds. Yeah, trying to create more beds, trying to fund this better, which we're, we are woefully bad at. <laughs> and so now you're going to tell this person that they either need to find a job or they lose their health insurance. So they're on a waiting list to get into rehab, and they lose their Medicaid because they can't keep a job because they still have an addiction issue that they're trying to get exactly, help for. That's exactly what Senator Tavares is explaining. Yeah. And then they get into rehab and they don't have insurance anymore. And how the hell are they supposed to pay for it? Right. Oops. Um, <laughs> how the heck are they supposed to pay for it? So, so, yeah, I mean, this is the kind of thing that's happening in our state government. And they're using this, oh, my God, we're falling into a recession as an excuse to make, a, make these cuts so that they don't have to be responsible for being the ridiculous jerks that they really are. Like, they really are no words. It's just... I mean... Mm-hmm. Oh, there are words. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah, just we're... not allowed to say them anymore because exactly. we're on the radio. <laughs> But but and then and then that's not the only ridiculous thing in the budget because you know we say we don't have any money to fund anything and we're taking Absolutely. away all these things but we're giving six hundred thousand dollars to crisis pregnancy centers. Ta da! <laughs> Came from somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. And they took $100,000 away from a newly created program that they'd created for domestic violence programs. So they couldn't find $100,000 for a domestic violence program, but they could find $600,000 to give to these places that lie to people and give misinformation. Right. To crisis pregnancy centers. Sounds like priorities are so screwed up. Uh Yes. Yes. Um, So CPCs, as we refer to them, we've talked about before. Um, you know, these, these phony, I don't even like calling them phony clinics because yeah. I don't want to use the word clinic. There's yeah. no health care provided. No. Oh, it's a gosh. storefront. They lure people in. You've seen the billboards mm-hmm. in your neighborhood. Pregnant, Pregnant? scared? Yeah. Call us. Yeah. 
women come in, you know, they think, sometimes they think they're going into an abortion clinic mm-hmm. or they're going into some family planning healthcare right. center, maybe going to go see an, o, uh, an OBGYN. Not really, because there's no actual medical care yeah. there. It's just all lies and talk and pamphlets and uh, shameful attempts mm-hmm. to uh, persuade women not to uh, choose an abortion or to present so much misinformation that she either doesn't know what her real options are or she's so delayed mm-hmm. that now she's uh, actually beyond the deadlines to get a less expensive mm-hmm. procedure, you know, one easier to access or a procedure They're altogether. All, yeah. Horrible, horrible organizations. Yet mm-hmm. they're being funded. Yeah. $600,000 of our tax your dollars. state tax dollars. Yay! Right. So this this is a shame. Um, uh, Senator Charlie de Tavares, a uh, big uh, fan of ours. Uh, <laughs> Very uh, much so. <laughs> we're a fan of hers. Um, she offered an amendment to the budget process uh, as it was going through the Ohio Senate the other day. Um, because not only do these facilities get the $600,000, they also get money from these choose life mm-hmm. license plates. Yes. Um, and so Senator Tavares has, has been a longtime champion of reducing the state's infant mortality rate. Um, she's done, you know, more work on mm-hmm. this topic than mm-hmm. pretty much everybody else in the state house. Yep. Um, and so she understands that crisis pregnancy centers don't help our infant mortality rate or if they provide any benefit, it's not an efficient use of tax mm-hmm. dollars. Absolutely. This money would be much better given to actual health care mm-hmm. providers who could mm-hmm. provide real education. Yeah. So her amendment said, hey, let's take this cash that we're getting from these choose life license plates and give this to actual state initiatives that get infant mortality reduction money from the State Department of Health uh, or Children's Services mm-hmm. Departments this sounds like a great idea. Doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> I'm sure it was immediately adopted and unanimously approved, right, Gabe? Uh, they they tabled the amendment in less time than it took you to say that sentence. Uh-huh. Shot down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ohio Republicans would not entertain the idea of giving these, this money to actual health care providers to actually save infants in the state. Yeah. That sounds about right. Unfortunately, that's the state that we live in right now. Um, you know, she has some very good, valid points. Like, mm-hmm. why don't we give, you know, try to uplift and help the kids that are actually here right now that we have mm-hmm. to watch grow up and help grow up to be, um, you know, very obviously um, supporting adults. And it was just like, um, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. They probably gave her the what are you talking about look and uh-huh. right. kept, just moved right They probably along. didn't even look at her because exactly. they probably didn't You're even probably hear the right. words out of her mouth because <laughs> exactly that process is right. <laughs> so ridiculous. Right. So uh, the state budget is terrible as always. Uh, we're continuing to monitor mm-hmm. that, make sure no abortion restrictions get inserted into that bill. Yes. yes. Um, speaking of abortion restrictions, we need to quickly move to our final topic, the abortion method ban. It got its yes. second hearing. Uh, in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that went? <laughs> that I good, huh? Now that I have words. Um, I started the day thinking I might need surgical correction because I was going to roll my eyes so far back that a surgeon <laughs> was going to have to, like, roll them back forward for me. Oh, but no, it was it was kind of like the CPCs. You know, medical mis- misinformation after medical misinformation after one, one witness after another. I think, though, because we're short on time, let's talk about my, our, everyone's favorite witness was Denise Leopold from Northeast Ohio, Right to Life. 
cited the handsmaid's tale yes. as a reason why this abortion ban should be put in place. Yeah, because she didn't understand why we brought so a couple of weeks ago we brought the no, last week we brought the handmaids to the hearing the first hearing on this bill and so she cited that protest saying she didn't understand you know right. the, the the book was about you know re- religious zealots taking over and taking away women's rights and she didn't understand why the handmaids were brought in here because women happening here. women have the right to choose and women have the right to have a baby or not but only because women can choose, not always actually, as a fact, True. to have sex or not have sex. Like, exactly. no birth control, no abortion. Women can choose just because they can choose not to have sex or, or have sex, which is completely false in a lot, of, a lot of ways. So, yeah, she was, it was hilarious because I was like, yeah, that's why we brought the handmaids here, because religious zealots are trying to take over our government and take exactly. away women's rights. Like, yeah, you got it. Good job, but not really. Right. So, oh yeah, she actually said that women have the right, that have all their rights. They haven't been taken away. Like 18 different abortion and reproductive health care. That actually drew uh, laughter yeah. from the audience. <laughs> I well, thought that was hilarious, too. I would say that about half the people who were there were in Handmaid's costumes last week. So I think yeah. that right. was especially um, not lost on that population. So we don't know whether or not it'll have a third hearing next week. Um, it's possible that it will. The committee schedules haven't come out yet. So kind of stay tuned. Um, you can check out our social media on Tuesday morning. We'll be covering that if it does happen next Tuesday. 